0: So welcome, everybody, to the All Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Noni Lamar, and this is a podcast all about joy and pleasure, healing the culture. You know, this season, we've been really focused on healing the culture. Joy and pleasure is a little bit harder to access at the moment in 2020. It's not like the joy and pleasure year. But I wanted to have a lot more joy and pleasure in this particular episode, so I called up the homegirls. Some of my favorite podcasters who just make me feel really good, make me laugh. I want to, actually, I'd like to have everybody introduce themselves, so please introduce yourself to our audience.
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm Mala Munoz. I'm co-producer and co-host of Locatora Radio. We're an LA-based podcast, or radiophonic novella as I like to call it.
2: And I'm Dioza, I'm the other co-producer, co-host of Locatora Radio. Uh, we've been doing this for four years, and it's just so great to, uh, you know, be on one of our friends' podcasts, you know, like we mm-hmm. love the work that you're doing, Noni. We've had you on our show, and it was such a hit with our audience, like they love that episode, so it's it's really nice to be sharing space with you once again.
0: Thank you so much. So, Tora, y'all are really the homegirls. I love the things that you do, not only in podcasting and events, on Instagram. I don't know if y'all know, I'm a a little bit older than y'all, right? I know it looks the baby face. I got the baby face a little bit older. But y'all inspire my Instagram-ness. I'm like, yes, this is... Y'all are my aspirational influencers in the podcast space, so... I wanted to first start with us talking about our grounding question. Um, I like to ask everybody the same question when they come in this season, and that's, how do you like to be loved? Let's start with you, Mala.
1: Oh, that's a good one, my goodness. Um. <laughs> wow, you know, I, I've been thinking about this actually, like um, the idea of having a type or having like, an ideal type of relationship or, or how I want to be loved. I feel like I'm in an exploratory phase Mm. because I feel like I'm entering a, like a different phase of my life. So the things that were comforting to me, like in romantic ways before are not appealing to me anymore. So I think Mm. I'm trying to figure that out in this moment.
0: Okay. And how do you like to be loved? How do you like to give love to someone else?
1: How Interesting. I think I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, because I think I'm sort of figuring out what it means to like actually understand my personality and my character in relation to others mm-hmm. since I've been spending so much time by myself. Whereas before, like our, like our, our lives like, were very social. And very like out in the world and like around lots of sudden halt. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm like, Ugh, who am I?
0: <laughs> so <laughs> am I? I do, where am
1: I? <laughs> but what yeah. I do know is that I like to make the people that I love like. I like to make people laugh. That's what I know, and that's what like makes me feel happy. You know that mm-hmm. that much I know for sure.
0: Wonderful, Diosa. How do you like to love, and how do you like to be loved?
2: Well, I like to be loved by um, receiving words of affirmation, but finding like a balance of those words of affirmation. It can't be too much where I start to feel like suffocated or like this person loves me so intensely that I like feel overwhelmed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's own thing to interrogate, but we'll do that at another time. Um, and I like to give love. I think this quarantine has really, this pandemic has really revealed my acts of service in terms of the love languages for my family i've like been the one that does the majority of the cooking the grocery shopping and you know things that i wouldn't necessarily do as often as as before the pandemic right maybe once in a while i would do that and now it's been practically daily
0: Mm-hmm. I relate so much to everything you just said I was just like h- having a flashbacks of this dude I used to date that was Salvi and like I thought it was really romantic at first <laughs> and then it got really scary
2: <laughs> it'd be like that
0: <laughs> I was like oh I never dated anyone like this black dudes aren't this romantic and then it turned into a whoa How did you know where I work? Like, how did you find out where I work? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you at my job?
2: The obsession.
0: Obsession. (laughs) I've had a lot of
2: obsessive loves, lovers. I've had a lot of obsessive lovers. Yeah, I think, I mean,
0: you know, there's this narrative of Black women that we aren't, like, loved in that way or like special in that way and i remember i had this mentor in college like black women y'all need to date brown men they'll love you the way that you're looking for so i went for it
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh it's there it's there (laughs) oh yeah
0: so I, i i had really good healthy experiences with brown men loving me in a really romantic, sweet way, like on on the movies. And then I also, I got a taste. got a taste of the other side, you know? Yep. So all my black women out there, hey, it's a toss up, baby. You can have it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And like you said, like, It's great and it's fun until it's not, but it's an experience. So I say, if you're dealing, I would, and to any woman, to any man out there who's thinking of dating
0: Latinos, just proceed with caution. Oh,
2: yes.
0: That's one of the, so one of my BFFs, like one of my BFFs is just my favorite brown woman in the world. We're like, you know, just such soul connection for almost 20 years. And I was like, hey, like, I want to have Locatora on here. I feel like we never really talk about brown issues on this pod. What do you think? And she listens, of course, and she's like, talk about being black and brown together. Like, we don't talk about it enough, right? And I'm like, so I want to talk about that more on this podcast, but in a real way. I feel like we always tiptoe around the shit. We act like, you know, try to be politically correct. But I'm. I think y'all both know I'm not interested in that at all. So, yes, Black women, you might want to go find yourself a brown man to have an experience.
2: Yeah. All those that
0: are gender non-conforming, yeah. you might want to find yourself somebody Latinx to just give you a new experience. It's another kind of love. That's all I have to say. And I, I dated someone for three years where their family, like, loved on me in a way. I still, in my mind, mother how his mother mothered me mm. that's what a yeah. good mama she was and like we didn't she didn't speak any english and i still when i'm interacting with my babies i'm like okay well how did his mom do it <laughs> because yes. i had never seen that kind of love like y'all y- like Brown culture got another kind of love. It's a different kind of love, and I've learned a lot from being loved by the brown folks. You know.
1: Ah, that's so beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's t- okay it's so true and it's a type of love that especially mothers have for their sons like in the culture <laughs> yeah. and then by extension everything <laughs> your son like engages with and you know like it, and so for us we look at that and we're like uh yeah <laughs> you know? it's true
2: it's so true it's have so-
1: mothers and their sons. but it's adorable and it's wonderful and it's a beautiful thing at the same time
2: yeah it's like it's kind of like when you're the daughter you're like you kind of roll your eyes at it um you know when you have brothers because you're like um okay this whole like calls you once a month and here I am <laughs> my ass, but okay sure you know so it's definitely like <laughs> trying to navigate like hey what about me but also like recognizing like it is a beautiful thing um and we want mm-hmm. some of it too <laughs> you know
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. you want some of that that, that mama love yeah you want that mama love for yourself yeah well that's I, another I, thing I want to ask y'all go ahead Mala.
1: Oh, no, because I was going to say you in bringing up right um, at the top of the conversation, like black and brown conversations. And like, I feel like in L.A., what I do appreciate appreciate about L.A. is I think that we underestimate the number of like Afro Latino or Afro Chicano or Black skin like identities and communities yeah. and because yeah. it's there. Like the communities mm-hmm. are there. The conversations are happening, the events, the art, the music, like the culture, like the people. And I I think that there's also a lot to be said about like what you were talking about, like brown men and black women. So my brother Mm -hmm. has only ever dated black girls and black women. Really? Really? Yes. My brother is so cute. So he's he's the youngest. He's the baby. So he's the prince. And in my family, everybody (laughs) has girls and he's the only boy. He's like the only male grandson. So he's just like, and he's six, he's over six feet tall. He's a tall Mexican. So They're just obsessed with him. Like he can do no wrong, you know what I mean? Like, so he's great. And in high school, he went to like a bunch of different proms and all of his dates were always, they were always black girls from the local Catholic schools and stuff. Cause he went to a Catholic school. And so they have their networks Mm -hmm. and they go to all their dances together. And I remember being at the mall with him one time and he like sees this group of girls shopping together and he like just like says thank god for beautiful black women like as like a 17 year old (laughs) like this is him just like opining and just like thank god like for these beautiful black women that god placed on this earth you know and so he's super cute and like there's definitely a dynamic there that i also think is maybe not like talked about all the time
0: i think there is too i think you know there's so many I would like to look around and realize like half of the homies were Panamanian. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, wait, y'all speaking Spanish at the crib, like, or like from Belize, like there's so much that like, we're not really acknowledging that happens in LA and the crossover between our cultures. I want to talk about it more in a bit, but I really, really feel like there's a lot there. And a lot of the work that I do is to highlight that because I did grow up going to that, Catholic school with Clavier and Rudy right. and like it was and it was me and, and Rudy, you know, yes. like it's <laughs> <so, laughs> Rudolfo. Yeah. We all called him Rudy. we <laughs> listening to Low Rider, Low Riders True. and we had the CDs with the um with the cry smile now, cry later. And I you know, like yeah. I think that there's a lot of our cultures coming together and oftentimes everyone's trying to be too careful. That we're not really addressing stereotypes, we're not addressing anti-blackness, we're not addressing like uh, like Im- like anti-immigration sentiments in the black community. You know, there's a lot of stuff that folks. I feel like when it's time to vote, they put us in the same box. Like let's okay, we want the black and the brown vote, and all of a sudden, whenever it's convenient and political. We're one community, right? Like we're lumped in together. But on our day to day, when we're speaking about our cultures, it's oft- often siloed. And oftentimes we're living right next to each other. We're living in the same communities. Like if I walk in a room, I don't see any black people, next thing I look for, okay, where's the brown people? I don't see any brown people, then I'm like, where are the Filipinos at? Like, I'm like, like <laughs> trying to, <laughs> I know. I'm not, where are my people? I know yes. I can find my people. Yes. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going through the list. <laughs> till I and then i okay. It was I all agree. white. Where the women? Okay. Right.
2: <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So
0: another thing I wanted to ask y'all a grounding question is, what's something you feel we all need to be real with ourselves about right now? Oof. What do you think, Theosa? Well,
2: <laughs> I've been on my own, like you know, I've been on my own journey, like the past, I don't know, 10 years, um, in regards to like my eating disorder recovery. And I, and you know, at the beginning of quarantine, I think there was a lot of conversation around like the quarantine 15 and like stay fit and, you know, and then also recognizing, you know, it's actually, it's also a privilege to quote, gain weight during a pandemic. That means you have an abundance of food. And, you know, I, Interestingly enough, this pandemic has been the most healthiest I've ever, the most healthiest relationship I've had with my body because Mm. I'm cooking my meals daily. I'm not rushing to go from meeting to meeting to eat and go back to a meeting. I'm not over caffeinating because I'm actually sleeping. Mm -hmm. I have time to work out. I have time to sit outside. And so for me, um, Being feeling this grounded with my body and actually feeling like, wow, I'm at a place where I actually really love, you know, my body. And I love the image, not because I'm like working out more, but because it's so holistic and well-rounded right now. It's being outside, it's eating, it's drinking water. It's not drinking a lot of coffee. Right. And it's also working out. And so for me, I think that's what I've been working on tremendously the past, since the, the pandemic started.
0: That's wonderful. That's wonderful. What about you, Mala?
1: Um, I have been like getting really real with myself about how much time I need to accomplish tasks and like what I can realistically get done in a day. Um, mm-hmm. And not, I think that what I was doing a lot of, and I also attribute this to scheduling and ha- being torn between so many different places. Working and then also gigging and podcasting and doing all the things like thinking about it it was like an inhumane number of things to like Do and there was such an emphasis on doing things in person. We were commuting so much and constantly driving like all over the county and in traffic and flying and multiple states in a weekend and like all these things Which, you know, is a a good thing because it meant we were, like, booked and busy and all of that. And, like, eventually we'll probably be in that situation again. But, like, it means that you're tired all the time and getting things done, I will put things off and procrastinate on things. And then, like do like a binge work session and then get everything done. But that also leaves you exhausted and depleted because you've gotten, you've crammed so much in and it's such an unhealthy cycle to be in. So now I'm like, Oh, I have all this time. I'm not going anywhere. Really? Like I can sit down and give things the time that they need and deserve and space them out so that it's not exhausting to work and I don't dread it and I don't put it off. I like want to do it and I'm not, exhausted when I'm done working.
0: That's so, that's really real. Like, I think that that's come up a lot for me too. And just like, I've I've been on this like achievers path for such a long time of like, I, what I'm doing in the world and what I'm doing for others and how I'm serving folks, that's what's number one. That's what's most important. I'm, I'm changing the world. I'm doing these things there's something about this time that's kind of just reset that for me it's not I, I really i think what i'm hearing you say too is like both of you like what do we really value and having those values really under a microscope one thing for me is like okay i'm working in entertainment and i'm making my money from that and then hollywood closed and i'm like oh shit i didn't think that was even possible so am i going to set up the same type of relationship via zoom like am i gonna do that same thing but via zoom and this isn't even something that's stable you know what i mean like it's not even stable it's not sustainable so what are sustainable ways that i can be in relationship to work life and work are not the same thing like have y'all been watching that show uh emily in paris or some shit like that have you seen it on netflix
2: no i've seen tweets i've seen the tweets tweets about it yeah
0: (laughs) and they they tell emily like i'm i'm like a big frank like just so into friendship you know my parents met in france and fell in love in france and got married in france and you know, I have a whole French love thing, right? So I watched it until it became a little obnoxious. Like, I can't see this white girl anymore. <laughs> like, do this, um, but it, it was it was fun while it lasted. But one of the things that happened in the show was the French guy being like, "Oh, y'all like live to work. We work to live. Like, this is a very different culture, and this concept of an American culture where we're in grind mode all the time." That's not how, that's not our ancestry. That's not where we come from, you know? And that's one of the things that I feel like has been such a gift that the concept of perfection, even with this podcast, y'all, like, I've just let it go. Like, I've let go of, like, ideas of marketing, like, all of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not right now, it's a pandemic. (laughs) Like, what I can do is show up and be honest and be real and like have great conversations and share medicine and grow out loud with everybody else, right? And that's really, you know, I'm all answering my own question. Like, yeah, that's how I'm being real with myself. <laughs> okay, I've been so curious about how y'all got started how you met each other? What's like the origin story of Torad? I have no idea how y'all came together. Can you tell me?
1: Diosa, no, I was just gonna say Diosa, you should tell it. Yeah.
2: Okay, so we first, we call ourselves a millennial love story because we met on social media. And I like, I like know that this dates us, but I really like to put it in the perspective of, we were following each other on Instagram before the DMs existed. So it wasn't in the sense that now you build rapport and you build community with folks because you follow them and you see what they post and they're sharing on their stories. So you can create this kind of digital friendship, right? When we were following each other, that didn't exist. And so we followed each other on Twitter. We followed like some of our, like some of the OG, like Twitter feminists, like they were really bringing discourse um, on the internet, creating discourse and dialogue. And so... I saw we followed similar people, I liked what she tweeted, I you know, I she was someone that I was like this this person is really cool, this woman is really cool. And so that eventually shifted to Instagram, followed each other for many years. I want to say like 4 or 5 years on you know, social media without really interacting very much. Um Mala was on the East Coast, I was you know, in Santa Barbara. We both studied abroad. At some point during all this come back to LA. I came back in 2015, Mala in 2014, and we meet in 2016. And so it was like this trajectory of following each other, being like born and raised in LA. Um, And then finally meeting at a Latina meetup in downtown LA in 2016. And that's how we met.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We also met Jessica Salgado that night, and Mm -hmm. Jessica is a poet, and she's also an LA-based poet. She's salvadoreña, and we met a couple other girls who were here from out of town who are also um, like Latina journalists and content creators, and we sort of just started hanging out, and then Diosa one day texted me and asked if I would be interested in starting a podcast, and I was like, yeah, that sounds fun, because it did. It sounded like a lot of fun, and it was. It was a lot of fun, and we started, and we kind of had these little micro followings. She was already calling herself Yosa, and I was already calling myself Mala, like, separately, individually. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of made sense, like, branding-wise, and we weren't even talking about branding back then. It was just like, oh, this is kind of like a good angel, bad angel, like... This works Mm. and it's natural. We didn't come up with these for the purposes of the project. This is already what we were embodying. Um, And so we had like our little followings on our individual platforms. And so that kind of helped us get the thing started when we shared Mm. with our respective audiences what we were doing together and um it was fun too because we we started this like instagram group with our friends called the mommy collective and really it was just going out and like getting drunk and <laughs> dancing and posting yes. to the instagram <laughs> and we were like at the time it was like oh my god you know what this is like remember like that period of time where it was like paris hilton and lindsay lohan and <laughs> And they were like going out and partying and that was their whole thing was just that we're we're just the Latina version of that (laughs) (laughs) on a micro influencer scale. Yes. And so that kind of all helped with like contributing to getting the project off the ground.
0: What did you see, Mala, what did you see in DIOSA that was like a spark of recognition? Like when you, I mean, you said you met at a, a meetup too. What was it about her? Like there's so many people on the internet. Like there's so many people, but what did you see in Diosa that felt so familiar for you?
1: Hmm. I loved Diosa's attitude. Like Diosa had such like just, well, has, right? <laughs> of course, has still, of course. <laughs> but th- I think that's something that I noticed on the posts online because Diosa was modeling already for like, uh, different Latina-owned brands and doing that, um, th- that photography and stuff, and then also just the way that she carried herself, like, when I, when I, when I saw her <laughs> on the street, I was like, oh my god, is it, is that theosa
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yes, a love purple so- hair,
1: Purple hair, blue and white, like, printed, um, like little mini dress with the cap sleeve. I remember. You better, you
0: better remember which what your girl was wearing the night y'all met. Okay. Diosa, <laughs> what did you see in Mala that you were like, yes, I'm so curious.
2: Yeah, okay, well, also, I remember what Mala was wearing. She was wearing, like, a nude, like, two-piece set. This is when she had her short hair, and she was wearing a burgundy lip. I'll, like, never forget, like, I'll literally (laughs) never forget her, like, calling my name, because this was, like, really me, like, at that time in 2016. I would have never showed up somewhere alone with the intention of, like, oh, I'm sure that I'll meet someone when I'm there, right? I've never done that before. There was just something calling me to that night, right? Definitely mm-hmm. it was meeting Mala in the flesh. Like I just know that now, like four years, five years later. Right. And so but before meeting her, um, same, I think like Mala was very stylish. I thought she was really witty. She was really clever. She is really clever. She is really witty. And like just seeing her stunt on, on Instagram was just like this. She's a baddie. Like she's literally a baddie. And I think that I, as an introvert, I've always been drawn, my best friends, my close friends have always been more extroverted people. And I Mm -hmm. think because that really brings, it brings out what I need. And that's like, that's the balance in our relationship. And so when it came down to like thinking about starting a podcast, like I knew I wanted to do it with someone, but I literally thought of nobody else, like. 100 percent. honestly like mala was the only person i thought of it wasn't like oh maybe this person maybe that person it was just like mala do you want to do this period that's it's
0: such a <laughs> beautiful story i mean i've been working on a show for a minute and i think i talked to y'all about it and it's about these two best friends right and i really i'm really realizing the genre that i love the most is about friendship and about how we love on one another, how we recognize one. It's a different kind of a love story, but it's a love story nonetheless, right? Like, you remember how they look. I always say I think that women actually dress for each other, not men. like Because I went to an all-girls school, Catholic school, so... I was like, we don't even have to do this.
2: Like, <laughs> I also to an all girls high school and yes, 100%.
0: <laughs> we were always doing the most, like all the time. We were always doing the most. So I just, I'm so touched to hear how much y'all connected. And it seems like it was a soul connection. What do y'all do when, this is like another question I have just about friendship. Like, what do y'all do when you have conflict come up? When you're doing your podcast or in your friendship, what do you do? How do you solve it together? How do you communicate through it?
1: Yosa, do you want to answer that one?
2: Um, I feel like we haven't really had, like, conflict that we need to really work through. We've had, like, of course, like, moments where maybe we disagree or we're not on the same page. But I don't think we've ever, you know, knock on wood, had like a full-blown fight or conflict, right? Um, I think that we recognize when the other person needs help. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm drowning over here. You know, Mala, I need you to, you know, maybe do a little more work this week so that I can take a step back because I can't do it, you know, and vice versa. I think we recognize when the other person needs that space. Yeah,
1: and I feel like also, you know, because we have been doing this now for several years, I feel like we were, we've gotten into a groove of like communication and checks and balances. And I just think that it's one of those things that because we play off of each other's individual strengths, that it just kind of works. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I don't, I don't know. We don't look for reasons to be mad at each other like we don't seek out conflict with one another you know what I mean like I do I I feel like we very much without even talking about it like we kind of just like let things be like mm-hmm. and if there's something that must be addressed like we definitely address it with one another I think that we have open and ethical communication but I think we also know just kind of like internally like spiritually like
0: it's okay like (laughs) it's fine
2: i mean we talk about too like as you know mala's working for locatora full-time now i'm like still have my day job but we like talk about like we can't be replicating this like nine to five forty hour corporate ass life In Mm -hmm. this dynamic and relationship, like that's not right. And that's not ethical. And that's not fair. Right. And so giving each other that room to like, I'm going to work two hours today. And that's it, you know, or I'm going to work six hours tomorrow. And, you know, being, being, being fine with that, because that's how it should be.
0: I love it. I love it. What are the messages that y'all are working to get across with Locatora? What are, what are like the main, if you were to make billboards, Locatora billboards, what were those big themes that you're really working towards?
1: Yeah, I I feel like what we want to do more than anything is build something for ourselves that will last and that like belongs to us. That's been part of the reason why we are making a shift like internally and then, you know, in a little bit more of a public way eventually. But We have the podcast, but we're a a production house as well because after four years of creating not only our audio art, but the short films that we've written and produced and cast,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um, the parties, the events, like the workshops, the curriculum, like this is more than Mm -hmm. only the audio. And we really want to like encourage people, especially women, especially women of color, that if there's something you're interested in, I guarantee somewhere there's an audience who is interested in the same thing. And so often, like the things that we're interested in or find fascinating are like devalued or like ignored. Um, but we're super innovative, and we can build something out of nothing. And if you have a passion, I honestly think you should invest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's what you wanna do, if that's what you're seeking to do, yeah.
0: Do you, have, you wanna add to it, Diosa?
2: Um, oh, I think Mala really said everything, but I'm just thinking like, if you were to put us on a billboard, like <laughs> it would be like that we are smart and hot, like we're smart and <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Because it's like so often we're like, one, we have to be one or the other, right? There's yes. like no substance to you, quote unquote, if you're like really attractive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're like really smart, then you're like not considered attractive or whatever, you know, these these yeah. binaries and dichotomies that we put women into. Um, and so, I, you know, it's like we can do both. And I think that that's why we've really emphasized the visuals and like us being the center of the visuals for the podcast, right? Like we have a photo shoot. Every time we have a season, if we have a mm. new event, a new party, there's going to be a photo shoot and a video to go along with it. Right. So really putting ourselves at the center of our project because we can, and we want to.
0: Yes, smart and hot. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. What's the message? across? <laughs> smart and hot. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I am all about it. Okay, so I oftentimes right now, like, I was looking at this thing yesterday, and it was basically like a letter to the industry from Latinx creators. Did y'all see that? Yeah. So I was really thinking about how oftentimes, like, this movement for Black lives that have, has been happening for the last seven years has really created more avenues for other folks to come out and say well us yes and we want this too and we want this too which is you know BLM is kind of based on like if you are really dealing with the most vulnerable amongst us which is the black queer folks then everybody else is going to benefit right and so i'm always thinking about narrative and thinking about narrative building as a as a storyteller and i'm super curious cuz i I feel like y'all are both storytellers too oftentimes people look at podcasting as just a creative thing but not necessarily art and i really do think of it as storytelling as art i often find like when i'm listening to podcasts it's because i feel lonely and i want the company of people without the company of people you know what i'm saying like <laughs> i don't want all that comes with the people but i want the people's right. voices and perspectives I've been asking all the brown creatives, I know, black creatives, I know, what are the narratives that you want to see more of right now? Like, if you could see new narratives, what are they, what do you want to see more of? And what are you tired of seeing?
2: Um, Okay, I think about this specifically, like, if we're talking about film and television, I want, you know, rom-coms. Like, plain and simple. I want, like... The immigration stories are obviously so, so, so important, right? We need like diverse, multifaceted stories about the Latinx community, about immigrant communities, um, but I also just want wholesome shit. Like, mm-hmm. tell me why I've been watching all of pan, all of the- during the pandemic, I've been watching the Gilmore Girls, right? And it's so unrelatable because there's be <laughs> two white women on the East Coast, super privileged, come for money, all that bullshit but it's just so wholesome. Like I can just turn Mm. my brain off, that's it. I don't have to think about anything else. And I want us to have that kind of outlet where it's like, it doesn't have to be, you know, this coming of age story where we're dealing with like all these different, all these different adversities, right? And all these different trials and tribulations. Like I just want something wholesome. And I think that that's Mm. what we need more of. Like we we need to be able to have all of it, right? It shouldn't just be one or the other.
0: Yeah, I, I had this the same question. I asked this question on a panel of women that were from Black women from all over, including throughout the continent. And I gave the exact same answer of wanting to see romances, you know, and wanting to see us fall in love, which is made me feel so great. Cause that's also, you know, those are my genres that I'm writing in. What about you? How do you feel, Mala?
1: Yeah, I feel like, um there's not enough comedies like I want to see talking about genre. I want to see everything. I love that show. Um, Los Spookies it's mm-hmm. uh, Mexican and Spanish language, but Fred Armisen, um, also has a reoccurring role in it. Um, I want to see like U S Latinx like mm-hmm. comedies. I loved, um, you know, Vampires versus the Bronx. And I love seeing Joel Ortiz in there. Um, AKA Kid Mero. We love the bodega boys as a podcast. So I want to see like a little bit of everything and I want to see U.S. Um, Latino experiences that are specific to like the different regions where we live. Like I want to see Chicago, mm-hmm. like Puerto Ricans and Mexicans, what have you, like living their lives and doing their thing. And I want to see Floridians and I want to see the RGV, the Rio Grande Valley. And I want to see like Brooklyn specific stories and then Bronx specific stories and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, LA stories, because there's so much here, mm. and we have such a proximity to Hollywood, and we're, like, in Hollywood in many ways, but, like, that spectrum of of film and television is just not there. Mm. And, like, I love Cheech and Chong, and I want to see, like, <laughs> I want to see first donor flicks, but, like, with people of color, you know yes. what I mean? Like, women, I want to yes. see of color doing yes. fun shit, like weird being nerds and podcasters and fucking surfers and what Mm -hmm. have you. There's so much going on here. There's like so much cool fashion and events and like, I yeah. feel like we're really funny like even just when I'm listening over hearing my grandma talk to my mom like they're just constantly fucking doing bits like without even <laughs> intending to yes. like I'm cracking up constantly I'm like yes. noted write this down This right. is an idea for later
2: <laughs> I'm like what are you I'm telling my family like when they're like ba- my parents specifically are like going back and forth I'm like do y'all feel like you're in a sitcom? Like I'm constantly asking <laughs> the way they interact, I'm like, this is a sitcom. Like, you know, that's how I feel in this life, you know, in this multi-generational household.
0: Absolutely. What about queer stories? What kind of different queer stories do you want to see? Because I feel like it's always one note, right? So what do y'all and I'm not queer, so I want to know what y'all think.
2: You know what I really appreciated? There's been like different critiques about one day at a time. You know, a Cuban, mm-hmm. Cuban family based in Echo Park. What I really appreciated about um, Elena, the teenage daughter, her coming coming out story, was that her mother struggled with it. Justina Machado, um, the actress that plays, um, blinking on her name, Penelope, um, mm-hmm. she struggled with it internally. But externally to her daughter, she was like super supportive and super positive. And I, I feel like in the Latinx community specifically, we need those positive stories of, yeah, my family accept, is accepting of me, right? Often we see these like very homophobic, machista families, which there's so much truth there because that's that's true. That's the families that we come from, right? Mm-hmm. We also need the positive experiences because it made me think of when I came out, if my mom had seen a, a positive Uh, Mm. a positive coming out story where the mother was really supportive would that have been how she acted you know Mm. and I think it gives us those possibility models instead of yeah Latinos are homophobic you know oh Latinos can also be really accepting and loving and I think that's just as important seeing those positive coming out stories
0: yeah for sure for
2: sure and then I want to
0: ask y'all, what about narratives are you over? I mean, I'm sure we know, but let's just make it clear, just in case anyone's listening is <laughs> wanting to write about this shit. What are you done with? What's over for you? Okay, so
1: some shows with their writing, the Spanglish feels so forced and unnatural and there's a way to do it spanglish we speak it it's real it's in the house it's in our day-to-day life like it's part of of the way that we communicate with one another um and you can really hear it and tell when it's very formulaic and it's like every other word has been replaced with a spanish word and that's not spanglish mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and here's the deal you hear the way that we talk like diosa and i like there are a lot of different ways that, like, Latinx people speak and pronounce our words. And I sometimes hear also, like, a very forced, like, affect or, like, sp- like Spanish accent when I know the actor mm. doesn't really speak that way. And I wonder, like, between the writer's room, the director, the producer, and whoever's giving, like, notes, how many of those people are Latinx people, how many of them are white and are, like... Trying to find a sound that maybe we don't, you know, like we all speak in very different ways, you know. And if you're mm-hmm. from the South and you're Latinx, you're going to speak like you're from the South. Like, absolutely. When I went to college in Massachusetts, I met Latinos who are Dominican from the Bronx, and they sound very different than the way that I sound. And I'm like, bitch, I'm from California. I'm a fourth generation, <laughs> third generation, depending on who you ask, Chicana, and I'm born and raised in LA. Like, I love beach i like to roller skate like i'm a cali bitch like this is how i talk <laughs> you know what i mean
0: yeah but yeah. My,
1: my friend from texas who's mexicana she speaks like a texan you know and every other word is y'all and so i would love more specificity <laughs> in yeah on screen because the linguistics again there's like a flattening when it's much more complicated than that
0: i i think that there's nuance you're like speaking to what the nuance is right like I've been told oftentimes by folks that I speak English the way brown folks speak Spanish because I grew up around folks who were learning English with me, right? So I grew up in all schools of brown folks that were English as a second language, you know? So how I talk is often like how Latinos talk talk in English. So it's the same cadence. And I didn't really notice it until, until a lot of people pointed it out. And I was like, oh, okay this is but what we're talking about here is rhythm right we're talking about rhythm we're yeah. talking about musicality we're talking about cadence and when i'm around black folks are like you you talk like us but there's a different cadence my husband is from michigan we don't have the same cadence of, of speaking english right so and he's always like, you, you, don't, you talk more like this. You talk more like a Mexican person, like why? And I'm like, yo, this is just how I grew up, right? Like real. This, is, this is, but I think that's when our stories become interesting, when we start seeing all of these nuances, all of these different ways in which we show up. And it's not, it's not in this like one, I want to ask y'all about the term Latinx. I can't move on before I do it's having like a lot of different moments on a lot of different websites and conversations about 3% of people even use this term. I was just having a conversation with a girlfriend about it too. So I wanna know how y'all feel about the term, why you use it, do you think it's important? Do you think when, like for instance, the general term for black folks is African-American. I do not subscribe to that term that's the politically correct term i'm good on that term yet the blm movement has really pushed black back into the center and at the same time i don't i have not raised my children to identify as black they identify as melanated people they identify as indigenous people to this land so you know it's everybody has a different way in which they choose to self identify and then there's this group that's telling us like, we should identify one way or the other. I'd love to hear from you both about how you feel. Diosa, how do you feel about the term Latinx?
2: I I think that if we're using a general term when we're talking about our community as a whole, I I use the word Latinx um, because the point of the term is to include our non-binary, trans, genderqueer folks, our community members, they're in our community and they exist my issue, not with the word, it's the people that are resistive to the word, will say things, and they tend to be Chicano men, Chicanos, yeah. they they will say things like, oh, this is a US-centric term, right? Nobody yeah. in Latin America uses that. And I was, in 2014, was at a US, at a Latin American and Caribbean feminist conference, and I will never forget hearing women from Latin America using the term latinx and that was my Mm. first exposure to it i wasn't here Mm. i was literally with organizers grassroots feminist sex workers in latin america at a conference and they used Mm. the term and so i will that really is my point of reference when i think about the origin of that word um when people try to say oh this is a u.s thing only people in the u.s use it right Mm. Um, I also think that if it doesn't apply to you individually, you don't have to use it. I am mm. not, you know, non-binary. I identify as Latina. Latina is fine. That fits for me, right? Mm. Um, so do that. <laughs> you know, I see <laughs> people that don't really know how to use it will say like Latinx woman, Latinx man. And I'm like, well, no, I mean, you can say Latina, you can say Latino, um, but I think, when you're talking about the whole community, you want to be as inclusive as possible.
1: Um, I, yeah, I think going back to this idea of like specificity, I, I feel like the more terms and identifiers, the better, because it allows, right, for like the the group that identifies with that term to have a term, um, mm. no matter how big or small that group is. Like I think about mm. how much I appreciate like, like, And this word always feels weird to me. Like, I don't know, this is the appropriate word, but like subcultures, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like groups within groups, no matter how big or small, um, but having a strong sense of self and something in common and the chosen family aspect of it all. So like, I think about the term, right? Like Chicana, Chicano, chicanex, because again, like I said, like my dad's mother was born in Bakersfield. Like my grandmother was born in Bakersfield, California. Mm -hmm. And my grandparent, my great-grandparents on my dad's side were the ones that immigrated over. And that's on my dad's side. He's a third-generation farm worker like from Kern County, California. And I don't know what else to call myself if not Chicana or Mexican-American. There's not mm-hmm. another label that mm-hmm. I don't like Hispanic. I use Latina interchangeably sometimes
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it's there. But for this very specific... Like mm-hmm. historical, geopolitical, like ethnic experience mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. my family has had for like four mm-hmm. generations. We're, mm-hmm. we're fucking Chicanos. And mm-hmm. what I noticed there's a lot of like dialogue, you know, on Twitter, especially and on the internet about how, uh, you know, Chicano can be a very problematic identifier and has like its own histories of like machismo and violence against women or anti-immigrant or anti-Blackness because it is rooted in, like, a very specific sort of experience. And I agree with all of those critiques. I also feel that those critiques can also be labeled at every identifier that each of us can or cannot embody. Like, let's talk Mm. about feminist and the deeply racist. You
0: better better come on. You better come with it.
1: (laughs) And eugenicist, you know, the deeply racist and eugenicist origins of feminism. But... We pick, we choose to opt in or to not, right? And so for, for me and my specificity, I'm like, let the critiques fly, but that doesn't change who I am. I'm still this, I'm still a fucking Chicana and that's just the reality of it, right? So yeah. I, like, I, I like the idea that all of these identities can flourish, especially against this backdrop of people not wanting to be lumped under one label of Latinidad. You know, there's a tension mm-hmm. there. Latinidad is problematic, okay, but then the specific identifiers need to be allowed to evolve and exist.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I have a a lot to say with that feminism comment, but we're going to keep it moving a little bit. We might dip back into it. So I want to go into a little bit more joy and pleasure end of it. So I want to know, What are the small daily pleasures you're indulging in right now? I want to tell you first, I'm going to start because this is a round table. I'm going to hop in too. Okay, one of my pleasures right now is watching Mala roller skate and pretending (laughs) that I can too. That's one of my daily pleasures. Mala, what's one of your daily pleasures?
1: (laughs) One of my daily pleasures is the roller skating. (laughs) Um, It's so fun. And I do like documenting my progress and, like, going back and seeing how far I've come. So for me, that's, like, the main one that I've developed in quarantine. Do you understand
2: uh, well, I, I guess I second all of the above. I also love watching Mala's videos because Noni, I'm with you. I could never, I will probably never roller skate. Um <laughs> so I love vicariously living through Mala's uh, roller skate journey and watching her videos that definitely like and I show them to my mom, like look at what Mala's doing today. <laughs> look at her her progress. Um, that's definitely one of them. Another one is just, you know, being, being able to be home with my dog. (laughs) That's literally, Mm. um, for me brings me so much joy, you know, in the past being gone all day, you know, I would feel so bad when I would have to leave him. And now that I'm working from home and I'm spending more time here, it's really great to just be able to like be with him, walk him, you know? Mm. Mm.
0: What are some of the lessons you're learning diosa in quarantine right now what lessons are are being kind of downloaded for you
2: oh girl um i really enjoy being alone i really Mm. do i really do but i also miss physical touch i miss hugging my family i miss hugging my friends i miss going out dancing um but i also enjoy the solitude i like to, I think I've really worked on making this home, you know, as comfortable and inviting and as warm as possible and as beautiful as possible since the pandemic started. I've been doing a lot of DIY home projects. And so I think at the root of that is finding joy, comfort, desire in my space.
0: Mm, I love that, I love that. What about you, Mala?
2: Oh my
1: goodness. I too enjoy my alone time and oh, it is, I, I still always have to remind myself and it's a constant relearning that it's okay to set boundaries with my family <laughs> because mm. my mom made a statement the other day and I like totally agreed with her. My mom was like, you know, your grandmother loves you so much, too much. My mom was like, your grandmother loves you way too much. <laughs> I was like, you know what? It's true. Like, we, I'm glad you said it. I'm not the only one. Like we can acknowledge it. <laughs> like, my poor girl. I love her. She's amazing. She's like my light. She's my favorite person. But her love is so fucking intense. And, like I realized like I can't even think out loud in front of her and say like, oh, where did I put the leash? Where'd I put my dog's leash? Because then she's like, oh my God, where is it? I'll help you look for it. Oh, where, so where could it be? It's so sweet. But I'm like, I can't ever have any distress of any (laughs) kind in front of her
0: she's like i'm on it we're gonna fix it now (laughs) Um, imagine when you were describing that i'm like what if that was like how god is you know like god responding to us in that way like i got you we think of god so differently but that's that to me is really what the divine's all about like wait 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 did you say (laughs) yeah. right now. <laughs> I got you boo <laughs> I got you I love right. that right
1: and it's okay to set boundaries with someone even when it's it's just waterfalls of love because even that can be a <laughs> lot it's okay to say not right now not at this exact moment later tomorrow please like it's okay
0: what about how you experience sex and how you talk about it how you talk about sex right now like I feel like this year has been well. First of all, I'm gonna let y'all know I had a baby. So the year after I have a baby, every time sexuality is very clunky for me and very there's so many physio physiological things that play into it. Like when you're nursing for the first three or four months, you don't even have desire, like because there's a natural thing to space out the babies, right? There's just so much that's different, and then the concept of like you know, having sex and then possibly getting pregnant in this fuck shit show of a country. I've never felt more allergic to having another child. I'm, I'm already good with four, right? But the, even the idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Right. So I want to know and I know one of you is single and one of you is not, right? That's true, I believe. So I want to know how sexuality and sex is playing out in your own personal life, and how you're thinking about talking about it, too.
2: Yes, how would you like to begin? <laughs> well, I guess, putting me on the spot, always, my, no, um, you know, I think I have been very curious about how to switch things up right now, that's where mm. my energy's at, you know, I've been in a, I'm, now, I guess, considered it's, like, a long-term relationship, I've been Partnered for three years. This is my first long-term mm. relationship with a cis-hetero man, also. So it's mm. been a lot of learning. <laughs> um, and even, I mean, even when it comes to having sex, like, it, there's been a lot of learning. Um, but mm. I think right now, I'm at the, I'm at the. My energy is okay. How do we make things different? How do we make things um, a little more sensual, a little more fun, a little more whatever it may be? You know, I've been like on this tip of like trying to play with um, wax. And so for me, that's what what I'm exploring right now. Um, You know, my partner's a little more um, black and white. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. So, and I I like to color outside the lines. And so (laughs) being, being, being able to meet each other where we're at, that's where I'm at right now. Okay.
0: How about how you talk about sex? Like, how you talk about sex with Locatora? how is it different?
1: There's just not as many ho stories because there's not, it's, Mm. the activity has just decreased by, you know, a lot. (laughs) Because it's not, it's not, it's wild times and we're not going out, like, we're not partying, like, it's, Mm. the socializing has just really gone for a deep dive, which is honestly fine because there's so many other things to talk about honestly like it 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 was more of a focus when it was happening more (laughs) um i've never done so much sexting in my life though and like just (laughs) fucking chatting and shit and like i've never facetimed so much in my life so it's, it's kind of, that's been the new avenue and the way to go. And honestly, with the dating apps, I find the dating apps at this point. Now I'm like seven months in, like really talking to people on the apps. And I realized that what those apps are best for is like content mining, like for jokes, because men are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on there like doing research I'm like this could be like a really funny this is content we could talk about this okay this is something save this for later yeah
0: you you just given up yeah Yeah. like it's not happening here it's not happening look I came
1: across a man whose name on his profile and like I have installed and uninstalled and like matched with the same people over and over you come across the same profiles there's a man in LA on the dating apps and his name is Chernobyl. Like the like Chernobyl, like the nuclear, like doomsday C-H-E-R-N-O-B-Y-L. Like that's
0: his name. You, and th- there's a show, you know? There's a show. Yeah, there's there's also, a show. Yeah. It's probably it's, you know, it's LA. It's gonna be douchey.
1: <laughs> exactly. And so I come across things like that and I'm like, I really we can't do this <laughs> this is insane like i know love is a battlefield but chernobyl <laughs> it's too much it's too much
0: i love it though i think what's interesting for me is like i haven't had to have conversations about consent because i've been in a relationship for 11 years you know and building a family well 11 years 15 total 11 years monogamous right or more so I have to have all these consent conversations every time I'm just, hey, um, do you wanna have a social distancing? Sure, where have you been? Like, can you give me a list of all the things you've been doing? And then we can mutually agree if we feel safe enough to hang out with each other. Have y'all had that, that kind of experience too?
2: Well, we've been talking on the pod actually about this entering a culture of consent because of the pandemic, where now it's like it really is. Can I can I get close enough to you, right? Can I? It's not even can I give you a hug at this point. I mean, maybe for some people, but it really has shifted in the way that we talk about just meeting up, right? Being in in physical sp- the same physical space as others, um, and really allowing for that honesty right because it really comes down to your your health like that's really what it comes down to because if you're lying to me about it like you're potentially exposing me right and so really yeah. being able to have those honest conversations even if it's like it ends up being a no right oh you know what i think you've actually seen more people that i'm comfortable with so you know what yeah. Never, let's wait in a couple weeks
0: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely Okay, so now we're going to do the joy and pleasure lightning round. And we're going to, you're going to each just give me the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? okay? So it's what makes you feel most alive?
1: Right now, I would say um, having, going a- and hanging out at the park and like doing picnics and skating at the beach. Every time I fall and I don't break a bone, it makes me feel alive.
2: I love it. I would say running. I just started taking it up again, so running.
0: Wonderful. If we really knew you, we would know that.
2: I need to eat constantly, like I need to snack. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, my sleeping is all over the map, but I my sleeping is everywhere.
0: I am a dysfunctional sleeper. <laughs> what is the first thing you do when you don't feel good? I'd Take a nap. To a <laughs> Talk
2: to a friend. Wonderful.
0: And what is something you are afraid of that no longer scares you? Quitting my job because I already did it.
2: That's a good one. Um, I don't know. I'm letting go of my perfectionism during this pandemic. I, I would say that. It's not complete. I haven't done away with it completely, but I'm working on it
0: what comforts you
2: my mom
1: yeah my my mom and my grandma what turns you on dirty talk (laughs) um men
2: working and labor (laughs) yeah how do you practice self-love putting on lipstick
0: um bubble baths How do you rest?
2: Netflixing.
1: Yeah, definitely
0: binge (laughs) watching stuff. Share with us a healthy habit or ritual.
2: Reading before bed.
1: Uh, Morning walks with my dog. And affirm yourself, I am. I am whole. I am progressing.
0: Thanks y'all so much. It was wonderful talking to you.
2: Thank you so much, Noni. This was great. Thank you for having us. We loved it.